a conversation about assumptions is going to be a source of insights and options that might get an individual unstuck or might get an organization unstuck, you have to start by making it safe for people to surface their assumptions. And then you have to make it safe for them to question whether those assumptions are really serving them. Because a lot of assumptions are things we've we've held on to for our entire lives. We've never questioned them. They may have been really useful to us in a previous uh, context, but then the world changes, our lives change, and but our assumptions don't. Welcome to You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. You are ambitious in life and in your career, but something is missing. You want to bring more of your passion to what you do, because let's be honest, you pour a ton into your work and it needs to mean more. I'm your host, Laura Eigel. I'm a mom, wife, PhD, coach, advocate, introvert, and indoor rowing fanatic. I'm passionate about living a life that's in line with my values. We'll give you the actionable tips and tools you need to lead with your values, make a difference, and have career success. The world needs more diversity and authenticity in the top jobs at organizations. Your leadership belongs there. You belong in the C-suite. What gets you up in the morning? What drives your decisions? What do you stand for? No idea, not even sure where to start? I use my values to guide my life and career. It's the basis of how I've built boundaries for myself and stuck to them. Are you ready to dig into what matters to you? Go to thecatchgroup.com to download your free values worksheet. That's thecatchgroup.com to download your free values worksheet to get to your core values and take action on what matters most. Welcome to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. I'm so excited about today's topic, how to use compassion to get unstuck. Our world right now is chaotic. Work, home, society, pandemic life. As I coach leaders, especially in these turbulent times, they sometimes get stuck in their thinking because of the chaos all around them. In today's discussion, we'll bring you the tangible tools to get unstuck by using compassion and challenging assumptions. Today, I'm talking with Lisa Weaver and Jay Cohn from Unstuck Minds, a firm focused on helping leaders find compassion and creative solutions when they feel uncertain and overwhelmed. Jay Cohn is an author and co-founder of Unstuck Minds. He's spent the last 35 years supporting leadership development and organizational change. He's served for five years as adjunct faculty for the executive MBA program at the University of Texas at Dallas. Jay's traveled extensively working with some of the world's largest public and private organizations. He has helped executive teams and thousands of organizational leaders liberate themselves from the thinking traps that limit, misdirect, isolate, and divide. His articles on leadership development have appeared in Training Magazine, the Training and Development Journal, and the Journal of Global Business and Organizational Excellence. Lisa Weaver is a connector, coach, and co-founder of Unstuck Minds. Her mission is to serve as a trusted advisor to her clients and colleagues by providing value through ideas, insights, and connections that activate compassion and creativity. 
Lisa also co-founded the Dallas chapter of Conscious Capitalism and is a longstanding partner of Social Venture Partners Dallas. Make sure you stick around to the end of our discussion. There's a really great tool that Lisa and Jay mentioned that I know will be of value to you as you navigate uncertainty. Let's get started. Okay, well, welcome so much to Jay and Lisa to join the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. Thank you so much for joining today, guys. Thanks, Thanks for having Excited to be here. Yeah. And I'm just so excited about our conversation. And I just hope that we have a really great dialogue and some actionable tools. I have known you both for years in different contexts in my job in the C-suite and my job in corporate. And it's been a pleasure of partnering with both of you in different ways. And I've been able to see you in action in lots of ways. And it's just so exciting to see you come together in Unstuck Minds and um, we're the new book that's coming out. So I'm so excited to talk about it today. Well, we're, we're pretty excited for you too. And congratulations on uh, the business and, and the catch. And uh, this is a great opportunity for us to sort of share the early days of entrepreneurship. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. As we get started, I wanted to share what I think is some of the best and biggest strengths of you guys. And I'd love to get your, your thoughts on it and how you bring it to life in uh, the work that you do every day. So Jay, I think, you know, your biggest strength is how you think and how you teach others how to think. And then Lisa, I think you're just the biggest connector. You're the connector of people, connector of ideas. And how do you guys use those strengths individually and then also together? Well, thank you for saying that. And it connects very much to the way we think about our business. And I think that uh, for me, it's just been kind of a life journey of really being interested in how people process information and come to conclusions. And it really didn't occur to me as being a business until much later on in my life. I thought it was just sort of the way I liked to operate in the world. I studied philosophy uh, as an undergrad. My focus during my consulting years was always around strategic thinking. And it just was something that was a passion of mine, something I like to read about and learn about and ultimately try to take something that feels really complicated for people and make it accessible. So that, that's what I love doing day in and day out. And I'm thrilled that um, it turns into something, it's turned into something recently that can become a business and become a value to, um, to people that we meet and work with. And for me, I think similarly, I kind of tapped into what felt natural and I just naturally get curious about people and their stories and where they came from and what that leads to. Um, so, you know, that showed up in my career. I started as an analyst, so I would say I was not in the perfect spot for me. But I did like to dig into ideas and make connections around data. But then I got into the world of sales and kind of found that I didn't love selling something specifically, but I loved the relationships I could build. And then I kind of got to the point where I'm like, well, really, it's about making connections with people, but also 
ideas that they might want to hear about to help whatever they want to do in the world help move that forward. And so it just became more fun as I did it. And then the more you connect, the more you can connect. So it's the self-fulfilling, you know, once you learn about something, ooh, they need to know this person or they need to think about this idea and it just flows. And I'm glad that it's useful to people. <laughs> and how do you think that benefits the two of you working together in terms of complementing each other? I think we, we're both interested in thinking and connecting. And I think we admire each other's complementary skills in those areas. And we talk about them as if they're separate, but it's, they're actually very much connected. Uh, you know, the way people, the way people interact and relate has a lot to do with how they think. And the way that they think has a lot to do with who they connect with and how they interrelate. So there's sort of different, different ways of focusing on two things that we both care a lot about. In fact, we, we sort of devised a mission statement built around those ideas. And then it, it turned out that it created a way for us to think about our business so that each of us had a really important role to play mm -hmm. And, was, and we were also dependent on one another, sort of interdependent in uh, realizing our mission. So we, we talk about our mission as helping people think better and connect better so the world becomes more creative and compassionate. Uh, and once we hit on that, everything seemed to fall in place for us. Yeah, and I think we help lift up each other's thinking around different things. So Jay's really opened my eyes to every time I listen to a podcast or have a conversation, he says, well, what insights did you get from that? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Ooh, I mean, I jotted some things down and I had some aha moments, but really he helps me build in the reflection time and the deeper thinking about my thinking, not just the in the moment of connection. And then I move on. Right. Um, and so he's helped me to kind of deepen that practice of thinking. And then sometimes Jay will go into really philosophizing and thinking and going some direction. And it's like, okay, well, what are the what are our customers need or what does the person need and how do we shift to doing? And sometimes I'm the one that's like, okay, let's move that forward. So I think we can balance each other out really nicely. And you want you know, make sure we don't go too deep into our way of thinking or way of doing things and we connect nicely and collaborate to keep the business going and to keep each other growing and thinking differently. So it's, you know, an honor to partner with Jay. And I think it's just working out so nicely just the complement of the two different styles we have. It is. And I've seen it in action and I love how it all really just comes together in terms of how you guys bring value to how leaders need to think about their thinking it's very meta, right? Yeah. But then also just the importance of being just so deliberate, especially in a time of chaos, right? And and that's what we're in right now, y'all. It's it's For kind sure. of crazy out there as a leader in an organization, as entrepreneurs, um, just as humans. And so what I what I love is that um, you guys bring to the table this framework and these ideas of thinking about 
you know, how to get through chaos using compassion and creativity. And you've done that. And I've experienced it in, in my work with you in the four disciplines of navigating to get unstuck. Can you, can you talk to um, us a little bit about it and how you would guide leaders and the, the things that you know work right now? Well, I'll take a stab at it and Lisa will fill in whatever I miss. But you, lately, the way I've been thinking about it is with an acronym, uh, SCAN, S-C-A-N. So the four disciplines are analyzing structures, that's the S, exploring context, um, challenging assumptions, and empathizing with needs. And the thing about those four different lenses through which to consider the world is that they're all hidden. And this is why they help you get unstuck because in our day-to-day -day operating through routine and through habit, we don't notice the structures that are underneath the surface, but have a lot of impact on how things are designed. We don't really pay attention to the context because the context is what exists outside of our, you know, peripheral vision around our functions, our roles, our work. We, we certainly don't notice our assumptions unless we bump up against uh, something that causes us to feel stuck and then we wonder why. And we don't necessarily pay attention to people's needs. We listen to what they say they want, but we don't dig deeper to really understand what's behind that. So the interesting thing about the structures, the context, the assumptions and the needs is that they're all really important. They're all responsible for our situation and they're also sources of opportunity, but they're also hidden unless you pause to think about it. And that's really kind of the power of the four disciplines is this idea of if you're feeling stuck, if you're heading for that mental quicksand and you can think about these four things, you stand a better chance of developing some insights and some options that you wouldn't otherwise notice. Yeah, and I, I think in times of stress, it, we, it gets exacerbated, right? We think we just, we're all worried and we wanna move forward. We want the stress to go away. We want a change to happen. So sometimes we just zoom right past the pause of the thinking and we go into habit that we've always done. And we think that's going to alleviate the pain or the stress and the world's changing so fast and things are, you know, moving at, at a pace where our old habits stop serving us sooner than they may be used to. So I think by having kind of a framework in your mind, like scan or a way to uncover what is hidden this really allows you when you feel the stress to say, to do the pause and say in this moment, it, am I going to rush to a solution or a way of getting out of this feeling of stress that will just exacerbate it or have me right back here, you know, in a, in another month or week or day or hour, or should I do a little bit of thinking in the pause and take that time so that the action I take next is more helpful and might open up some options and opportunities that I maybe wasn't thinking about. Mm -hmm. So it, I think it's just useful to be aware of our habits and when we might get stuck. And then when we have that feeling, 
that there might be a better way. We have kind of a tool and way to think about that and, and use that in the pause. I really like that as a way for both organizations and individuals to use. And I think that's what's so powerful about the SCAN framework and those four disciplines, especially right now, right? Because it's real easy to rush through. Mm -hmm. Um, It's real easy to get into the habit and you don't even realize that you're doing it, especially in long-term thinking. We're just so present and trying to make it through for our businesses and personal lives right now. Yeah. Here at the catch group, um, you know, we believe that, you know, more diversity and more authenticity is needed in the top ranks of companies, especially in the C-suite and senior leadership. And we talk about, you know, the values that you have. And right now there's, and you, you can see it on LinkedIn and the news. I think a lot of people are feeling attention, you know, can I really be my authentic self? and still work at this company, or they're waiting to hear from, you know, their company about how they feel about different issues that are happening in the world right now, whether they're political, societal, humanitarian, and what have, so what happens, do you think, when the authentic leaders, the authentic values of a leader is in tension with that kind of company culture, and how do you think, organizations can tap into the authenticity of their leaders and how might that all work kind of within the scan framework? One, I guess the first thing I think about is the element of the framework that has to do with empathizing with needs, you know, that N. It's also a bit about context as well, but the whole idea behind empathizing with needs is not just asking people kind of what they think, but it's making an intentional effort to discover diverse perspectives to influence your thinking. So I feel like it has a lot to do with inclusion. And if you are not creating an environment in your organization that values authenticity, uh, and you're not creating the safety required for people to express themselves authentically, then empathizing with needs is not going to generate any new insights or provide you with perspectives that you might find surprising or enlightening. You're going to get the perspectives that you expect to get. And of course, the higher you go in an organization, the harder it is to hear anything new or to hear the truth or to hear what people really think unless you have created a culture that values authenticity and inclusion and you make a deliberate effort to create the safety required for people to really be willing to be themselves. That's where it connects for me. But I I mean, I think it's a huge topic around creating these organizations that have a clear culture and identity and at the same time, value individuals showing up as themselves. Yeah, I agree with that. I think there's something to this, first, the environment of care, right? Just that ultimately we're here as human beings and people first. And if we don't understand the needs of our employees, our customers, all of our stakeholders, and really care about that at the core, 
then the business won't exist. And I think sometimes companies get so focused on and people too, right, on the bottom line and the output. And that starts to kind of seem front and center. But who's it's who what is it all for? It's for humans and people. And so I think just making sure you can really remember the value of the human and the, the level of care comes first. And that when you really are giving that safe space and that environment for people to do their own learning and growing and able to live into their full self, then the the greatness of your work will follow, right? So it's kind of having to trust that, but as leaders not getting lost in the next quarterly result or the bottom line, and that taking precedent over the care and keeping of your people and, and your customers and your stakeholders. Do you think it's possible um, for a leader that feels this tension, like if they don't, if they don't feel that their company's doing everything that they can do, do you feel like there's room for them to do that as leaders in their own teams and in their own life? It's a really, it's a really great question. And I think it's something I'll just speak for myself, you know, spending, having spent, you know, a few decades inside of big organizations, I think there was often a conversation that took place usually at a lunch hour with a, with a trusted colleague around the way that we show up during those critical meetings when we're with, you know, influential leaders, you know, we used to call them career day moments and that we would have to sort of behave in a particular and expected way and be diplomatic about how we expressed our point of view. Mm-hmm. And was that, you know, what was that creating any kind of, I don't know, damage or were we being inauthentic or even hypocritical? And I think you can with your own team. And I certainly tried to do this with a, with a group that I was leading to say, when we're together, this is what matters. Mm -hmm. And one of the jobs of a leader in a large organization, this is sort of the curse of middle management. One of the jobs of of leaders, uh, I think, is to create an environment for the team that allows the team to operate and to tap into their best selves, even if it means protecting the team from an organization that might be pushing it in a different direction. Sometimes middle managers have to kind of absorb that and hold the tension to allow the team to do their best work. So I I don't think it's simple, but I do think it's possible. And I also think when I reflect on my own career, I can think of managers and leaders that gave me the space to explore what I really wanted and needed. And I think also for a while, I expected my leader or my company to say, here's what we care about. Here's what we need. Now you help us with that mission or purpose or thing we want to do. And it took me a while to realize, because I'm a little bit of a people pleaser and I'm a little bit of, you know, what are your needs? Okay, let me help you with that. And it it took me a while to realize I need to have the time to think and explore. What do I want? What do I need? And not letting somebody else define that for me. Right. And expecting and waiting for someone to say, where do I fit into this? 
but instead figuring that out for myself. And usually it aligned with an organization I was with for a while. Mm-hmm. And then it's like the six or seven year itch where I'm thinking, Ooh, I've grown or I've noticed something that's different. And I think there is a responsibility that each of us as individuals has to take to say, does what, does what I want to do in the world align with what my team or my company wants to do? And sometimes the answer is, yeah, I can find a path or a way to do that here. And I used to get really creative. I ran a wellness program, you know, on the side for one of my companies or, you know, doing things that were actually showing me a path to my passion, but I was finding kind of a interesting way to do it in my job. And then I reflected and said, what am I doing? You know, let me find in the world where I can be more aligned. So I think if companies even question the metrics of retention and things that they think about as just so based, like this is the structure, we all want retention, right? Well, do you? What about helping people realize their noblest aspirations and helping them grow and develop as humans? And then there might be a point when it's better that they go on to their next big thing and that that's okay. And every time I've done it, it's been way better than I thought it would be, right? So I just think there's kind of these layers of an individual having to do that, a manager asking the individual about that and helping them on that journey. And then does it match with the company at the time and that it's always going to be fluid. I love this conversation. And you've talked about kind of this idea of challenging assumptions as an, or of empathizing with needs, right? So we've talked about empathizing with needs as a company, as a kind of first and foremost of the, of the four disciplines and the scan approach. What about challenging assumptions and how does challenging assumptions come in, especially with the context of compassion? Um, I know that you talk a little bit about that in your book and it's part of your mission. Can you talk to me a little bit more about that and what you mean about compassion and challenging assumptions? I mean, just related to what we've been talking about, I think it's important to be sort of self-compassionate too, like to give yourself permission to figure out what you need and what you want and to sort of challenge some assumptions that the only way to progress is to sublimate your motivations and passions and desires to the organization's goals. And so, you know, I think about Lisa's story about the wellness program, you know, people's creativity and passion will not be denied. It'll, it'll, they'll find, it'll leak out somewhere and a smart organization and a smart leader will figure out how to tap into that and take advantage of it and allow it to bring value to the organization rather than to say, um, well, you know, do that on your own time, at, at which point the person will probably find a way to do that in another organization. Yeah. But I think that challenging assumptions is really complicated because there, the, people, we don't know unless we spend a lot of time reflecting on it and we have good trusted friends that can hold up a mirror we rarely know the assumptions that we're operating under. And when we're coaching people, for example, without compassion, people are unlikely to be willing to challenge their own assumptions. 
because it's hard work and it's um, disorienting. Mm. Uh, and so if you feel like a conversation about assumptions is going to be a source of insights and options that might get an individual unstuck or might get an organization unstuck, you have to start by making it safe for people to surface their assumptions and then you have to make it safe for them to question whether those assumptions are really serving them because a lot of assumptions are things we've, we've held on to for our entire lives. We've never questioned them. They may have been really useful to us in a previous uh, context, but then the world changes, our lives change, and, but our assumptions don't. Yeah, and I um, I'm looking at a copy of my dog-eared copy of your book <laughs> that I have in front of me right now. And one of the things that resonated with me so much is this idea that, you know, sometimes there is comfort and safety in remaining stuck, right? Um, but what I just heard you say is, is to, you know, give yourself compassion as well to challenge some of those assumptions and figure out like, you know, I'm, I'm here in this moment of being stuck challenge my own assumptions of, do I really, am I doing this to myself by not challenging those assumptions and giving, give myself some compassion by yeah. figuring it out and thinking through it. Yeah. Yeah. Be kind, be kind to yourself uh, because most of those assumptions that may have suddenly turned on you at one point in your life were really important and served a purpose. So it's some people will maybe beat themselves up a little bit for not hitting a goal that they've set for themselves. But there are lots of reasons that why that might, might happen. Yeah. And I love that, um, that statement that you just made too, that resonates with me so much. This, this idea of that has served you a purpose. And one of my favorite coaching questions is, you know, what purpose is that serving or how is that feeling serving you right now? Yeah. Right. It's yeah. a, it's a good one. Yeah. It's a great question. Yeah. And I think when you kind of start to trust your instincts and follow your gut around things that it, it'll come up enough for you, these assumptions that need to be challenged, maybe not always, but a lot of times you'll feel that over time enough to where you say it's time for me to do some inner work and talk to not only your support network, but I think having a challenge network that helps you see things in a way that you may not always see and you'll you'll kind of know when to do the work but the, i think the big idea is not to ignore that feeling for too long and to take that time to reflect and to not blame others or blame yourself when you have that feeling but just say "Ooh, what's coming up for me and this has happened a few times now it's time for me to kind of explore this with a challenge network, with a support network, with a coach, with yourself um, in reflection. And then I think you'll start to be ready for that. And I agree, you need the safety to do that. And sometimes you might start outside of the organization in a safer space. And then I know for me, it's been like, okay, now I'm ready to tell a friend at work and talk to them. Okay, now I'm ready to talk to my you know, trusted colleague over here. That's not my buddy, but I think I can talk to them about this feeling and how I'm, you know, thinking then your boss, right. And then maybe 
make the big announcement or, you know, there's like phases to it. And you just, I think, have to lean in and know you won't have all the answers, but that's kind of the process of challenging your own assumptions is just stepping into the conversation about it. I love Did this. Did you just com- make that up? The challenge network versus support network? I haven't heard that before. No, I will say I heard it on the Adam Grant podcast with Rich Roll. And I thought, ooh, that's really great. Um, they also talked about your own board of advisors, which yeah. I heard. But having kind of those three in the network, I heard. Well, it, you know, it makes me think a little bit about the process of writing the book, this idea of a support network and a challenge network, because you know, the, the early advanced readers that I sent the book to, of course, were people that are in my network and that knew, have been talking to me about these ideas for years. And I wanted them to read it and see if the way I was expressing it was making sense to them. But then I said, and now there's some other people that are also good friends of mine, but I know that they have a very different outlook around things. And I sent the book to them and A couple of them, to their credit, gave me some very candid and direct feedback about some of what was in the book, and it fundamentally changed my approach to the book, and it was incredibly useful, um, also a bit painful. Yeah, but I love how you challenged your own assumptions and didn't just send it to people that you knew would be like-minded, yeah? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Yeah. it's important. Yeah, it, it really is. And Lisa, thank you so much for that example of when you know you need to do the work of, you know, listening to that that inner pull. And that's something that is very resonates with me so much because I I've just done it myself, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, everything that you described is so very true. And for me, that nudge was it just grew bigger and bigger as I realized, you know, hey, I know my values of you know of advocacy and growth and development and i loved my job at the time and but this urge and need to be an advocate in a different space kind of outgrew the impact that i knew that i could make there and um and i did just what you said i think you were one of my one of my trusted advisors as i started thinking like what could this look like what is that Mm -hmm. and um you know, within the framework, when I think about it, I really challenge, I had some, some inner work to do. Right. And it took me many, many months to decide like, what is the best thing um, for me personally, for our family, for me to live out, like really what I want to do in the world and the impact that I want to make. And really it was, I, I did, I challenged assumptions and I challenged a lot of, you know, limiting beliefs. This idea of going out on my own, um, founding a company, like this challenging, this inner belief of, you know, I'm really not a risk taker. I'm, I'm going to work for a company that's stable, secure, and that I know how much is coming in every month to support the family. I also challenge this assumption of, oh, I'm never going to be an entrepreneur. Y'all, I didn't even like selling Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> so I was never, this was never in my path or so I thought, right? Mm-hmm. But um, as I did that work, I really felt like this was the path for me because I could make a bigger impact and live a life guided by my values and advocacy for women and to get more diversity in the C-suite, to get more people to live their authentic selves at work is just overpowering more 
impact that I could have made in anything else that I could have done. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I, as I, as I dig more into your book and the framework, it's really about giving myself compassion for myself and, um, and that some of that negative self-talk and those n- limiting beliefs. Yeah. 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 That's really great. Well, Jay, I remember when we were reframing our own and re- challenging assumptions and reframing some, and even the idea, Laura, that you just talked about where it's safer if you're in a company and you know a paycheck's coming in. And we're like, but look at people that get let go or rifts, reductions in force, and all of a sudden you thought it was safe and now you actually have no plan B and you're out to find yeah. another company. Is that safer than creating your own or net, you know, organization or practice that you are believing in yourself? And I, I kind of have a little mantra of why not me? I'll sometimes be like, well, look at all these people doing it and I can't do that. And I don't have all the answers, but why not me? Right. And then you're never going to have it all figured out or feel like you have it all figured out. And now I'm ready and all the ducks are in a row. And I had to really challenge assumptions around that like as a perfectionist. And I want it all to be laid out and I want it to be logical. So once I see the whole path, then I'll be ready to make that leap. Oh, it's never going to happen, right? Like you just need to trust a little bit and make the leap before it feels ready. And every time I've done it, it's turned out okay. So now I have a track record to say, just believe. And if your instincts are telling you that there's something to it and have enough, you know, of the plan to not feel like you're making a leap into nothingness and the rest will kind of come as it should. Really like that. And that resonates with me so much. Mm-hmm. You're living it. Yeah. <laughs> all of us. We all, we all are. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. yeah. And one of the things in the book that I really wanted to dig into, Jay, is this idea about competing commitments. Mm-hmm. Um, and you talk a bit about that and how co- a competing commitment might keep you stuck um, and and may not let you challenge assumptions. Can you talk a bit about that? Sure. And, um, you know, this phrase competing commitment comes from uh, Keegan and Leahy's work on immunity to change, a couple of Harvard professors that have a really useful framework for helping people realize their goals by realizing what might be in the way of them achieving their goals. And so they use this term competing commitment to describe, you may be committed to achieving a goal, you know, like getting fit or writing a book or whatever it might be, uh, going into business for yourself. You may have this visible, you know, important goal that you genuinely want to achieve. And yet you've made attempts uh, repeatedly and not made the progress. And you're confused and feeling stuck about why you have to keep revisiting this goal that you know in your heart of hearts you really do want to achieve. So it's not the it's not the the desire that's missing. It's the fact that your uh, your desire is competing against a commitment that you have that you're not aware of. And so the process of challenging your assumptions is where you may be able to surface what else is going on for me that I'm committed to, 
which is actually a barrier or an obstacle to this goal. And I never realized that it was a barrier or an obstacle to, to the goal. And that's also, by the way, where being, being kind to yourself and having compassion and having a coach or a friend who, who has compassion for you will make it easier for you to identify those competing commitments because they're often things that are self-preservation, but that we may not feel proud of when, when they're pointed out to us, you know, like I, I, I know I should be doing this to be, to take care of my health, but if I were to do this thing, it competes with my self image of being a virile, healthy person. And uh, it turns out that my appearance of being a healthy person that doesn't need, you know, medication or doesn't need to, you know, go to therapy, that, that image that I have is competing with the goal that I have of being healthy. And until someone brings that to my attention, I may never realize that it's in the way. I love your idea of, you know, using compassion and again, this challenge network or others to bring this to light because a lot of these are just blind spots, right? Like we're not going to know, we might just feel stuck and not understand why. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, in the preface of the book, I, I try to be a kind of open and, and, and vulnerable about my own competing commitments and how I've lived a life in, in organizational settings where I try to play it safe by making sure I don't get into issues or, or opportunities that challenge my expertise. And so I tend to do a certain kind of work. I tend to feel like I'm competent and I usually get good results and I feel very safe and comfortable. And it wasn't until I was working with an editor when I was presenting this notion of helping people deal with the chaos and uncertainty and complexity. And the editor kept saying, well, why are you only talking about organizations when in fact the world at the moment couldn't be more chaotic and uncertain and complex. And yet everything in the book you're talking about are your experiences working in organizations. And I sort of had to admit, well, I don't feel I don't feel confident. I don't feel competent. I don't think that's my area of expertise to which the editor pointed out. Isn't that the point of your book that, <laughs> um, that you should be challenging uh, the conventional wisdom um, that has come from a world that is, was very different than the one we're living in now. And uh, you know, it was a, it was a great example of me taking a bit of my own medicine. That's great. Well, and it really opened up the title of the book, right? The surprising power of not knowing what to do. Yeah. And reframing how we think about that feeling of, ooh, someone asked me a question I don't know the answer to, or someone wants me to step into something and I don't know how to do it. I'm feeling that with podcasts, right? <laughs> like, um, oh, do you want me to talk about something where others are going to learn and listen? And just saying, well, let's be surprised by the opportunities that come from it and surprise ourselves um, and be cool with not knowing what to do and realizing curiosity and questions and digging deeper into that is where it's at because things, again, are changing so fast. None of us 
we'll be able to remain experts at anything, really. Um, we can have past experience, but some of the experts might be the most stuck thinking that what they used to do is going to continue working. So it's really this whole mindset shift. Uh, and I think what you're talking about around competing priorities and Jay, you pointed out this big one for you, but I think we all have some level of that, that we're having to rethink, reframe and, and act a little bit differently in the world. And your book really helps give a guide to how can I start doing that? Because it doesn't feel comfortable. So how can I get more comfortable being uncomfortable and then have a little bit of a toolkit for when I don't know what to do? When, how can I build those better habits and practices? I really love that. And speaking of toolkits. <laughs> we didn't plan that. Segment. Yeah, no, we didn't. Um, <laughs> speaking of toolkits, um, you guys have a really great resource um, that's available. Can you talk about it a little bit about the Unstuck Minds profile? Yeah, sure. So the four disciplines, this, you know, structures and context and assumptions and needs, they represent what we refer to as thinking to action preferences. Like when you're faced with a complex or uncertain or ambiguous situation and you're trying to feel more in control what type of information do you go for that's gonna help you feel more in control? And it turns out that you can pretty clearly delineate amongst you know, these four different kinds of ways of seeking information. So some people wanna get analytical and look at the data and understand causes and effects. Some people like to bump up to the big picture and understand the whys of something. Some people are looking for the hidden assumptions and challenging the, the way things are being framed. And some people go right to trying to understand the experience of others in order to get unstuck. And there's a profile uh, on our website at unstuckminds.com. You can click on it and it will take you through a 15 minute assessment. And at the end, you'll get a report that'll tell you, do you have a clear preference among those four? And what might that mean in terms of kind of a, a way in which you think that you can be beneficial to a group of people because you, you tend to look for certain things that others might not look for. Um, and if you were trying to build a discipline, like we think of the four disciplines as like, you know, a, a, a thinking regimen to build your stamina to deal with uncertainty and complexity. So if you wanted to build up your, you know, isolate one of those muscles and build it up, which one according to the profile, might you focus on? So people can go there and um, check it out and get a report. And then we also have ways for them to stay connected to us because if they are trying to build that muscle, there are specific curated tools and ideas and, and things to read and watch that will help them if they're trying to get better at you know, exploring context or challenging assumptions or whatever, whichever of the four they might be working on. Yeah. And I love this. Um, I've done this profile myself and I really like it for myself. Um, but I also like it for my team as well as a leader. It's a really great tool that you can do for free and learn more about it. And then I also love your blog too. I learn a ton of different things and you're really great about sharing other things that you learn about too. And I just want to thank you guys so much for the conversation here today and for all the insight that you have uh, given um, this audience, I know it's just really beneficial 
if you're in an organization, if you're a leader in any capacity, just really great nuggets today for all. And just want to thank you so much. And we will put um, links to your blog, to the profile and to the new book in the show notes. We're excited for you, Laura. And, um, and we're thrilled that you're making this move and so happy that uh, you're inviting us in to, to be on this journey with you. Thanks for, thanks for including us. Yeah, it's so, it's been so fun just being your friend, getting to know you and being part of your journey. So thank you for including us on your podcast. And it's been wonderful to be with you. And this conversation has been really fun to have. Thank you guys so much. I want to thank you so much for listening to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. If you are enjoying this content, then be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss a show. Editing and support for this podcast is from SNE Podcast Management. To get more tips and tools to help you live a life guided by your values, go to thecatchgroup.com. Keep your boundaries and take care.